when I realized I wasn't going to have the money to pay the rent um, for the place that we're in, my girlfriend and I were in, um, I had to take this opportunity. What do you think this opportunity might have been down on the Costa del Crime? <laughs> well, it was actually, believe it or not, strapping up two and a half kilos of cannabis resin. Come on, come on, let's have it! Welcome to the Freedom Lifestyle Podcast with your hosts, Callum Webber and Jacob Ingamgore. Come on, come on, let's have it. So we're back with the yeah, baby. we're back with the freedom lifestyle. He's already thrown in a comment. I love it. I met like a lot of you listeners. I went to a business event called EMC, um, literally start of December, wicked way um, to end 2022. And I got connected with uh, Mr. Elliot Brown, who's an ADHD uh, business coach. And we just just hit it off. We proper connected. So I was like, he's got to come on my podcast because he's got such a powerful story, but he's also making such an impact as well. So I'm going to throw it straight over to you, Elliot. Obviously, really grateful for you to come on for this podcast to share your wisdom. But for our listeners, flip it back to the start where your entrepreneurial journey started and then fast forward to where you are now, Elliot. Oh, wow. This could take forever, but we'll, we'll do a fast version of it, shall we? Um, at least my entrepreneurial journey started in my teens. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I, had, I had multiple jobs when I was a teenager. I wanted to bring money in. Um, and so, uh, you know, I started at a very early age. In fact, you know, sort of 14, 15, 16, I had sort of three jobs going, basically. So, uh, and one of those was in a woodcraft place. And, uh, and I ended up taking uh, some of the wood and creating Christmas decorations as a, as a bit of a sideline out of waste bits of wood. Wow, I didn't even think about it. I completely forgot about that until you mentioned that. So I've tried to wind it all the way back. Um, and then, um, and then, you know, sort of worked in bars and things and, and I worked, I worked in the family business as well. And, um, I didn't really get a huge amount of direction in the family business and, and realized that wasn't really for me. I actually did a, uh, started doing a, a B Tech National in Business and Finance. That lasted about all of three weeks, mate. To be honest, um, and uh, and I just couldn't hack the, uh, the the stuff they were doing there, uh, and ended up doing more work in the bar. Anyway, after a very short period of time, well, about a year running bars in the in the UK, became a sort of assistant manager of a bar in the Midlands called Ruskins. Had some great times, lots of parties and things like that. Uh, decided to move to Spain uh, with my girlfriend at the time, so I was like eighteen, nineteen years old then. And, um, and so, you know, you're sort of thinking, well, okay, where's this entrepreneurial journey started? Well, it sort of started there. Now, this is going to be an interesting one because you don't know this part of my story. But what happened was I was in Spain for a few months and uh, I ran out of money. And my father had basically said to me, listen, when you get there, if you got any, if you get stuck, then let me know and I'll, I'll transfer some money, wire some money down to you or whatever. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and sort you out to you know, temporarily. So I gave him a phone call this one day. I was working in this bar and I'd moved down to Spain, right? Fuengarola, the Costa del crime, sorry, Costa del Sol. <laughs> okay. Um, and so, you know, uh, and it's famous for it, right? So there I am in there and I phone my father and he, he won't, he won't transfer money, money, money over to me. Right. So here I am literally at a point where all I needed was, and it literally was the equivalent to a couple of hundred pounds, my friend, literally um, at the time. And he wouldn't transfer the money to me. And I had to make a, a really snap decision at that point of what I was going to do. And there wasn't huge opportunities apart from working in a bar. I needed to bring some, bring some money in. And dare I say, there was somebody that was a little dodgy that had given me an opportunity. And I turned it down. And then when I realized I wasn't going to have the money to pay the rent, um, for the place that we're in, my girlfriend and I were in, um, 
I had to take this opportunity. And what do you think this opportunity might have been down on the Costa del Crime? <laughs> well, it was actually, believe it or not, strapping up two and a half kilos of cannabis resin, right? Inside my jacket, inside my top to fly it back. And you're thinking, Christ, okay, this is crime. This isn't, this isn't an entrepreneurial journey. And not realizing the sort of brain that I had and the sort of type of person I was at the time, Callum, um, it was sort of entrepreneurial, right? You know, it was, there was good money in it. And I had balls of steel then. Like, I must have had balls of steel. So it's something I'm going to tell you about this is we, we often – had this sort of, you know, um, uh, this gung-ho attitude when we're younger, particularly being entrepreneurs and do things that are risky or risk of, you know, there's risk in it and, and, and it's impulsiveness, right? But what happens is, is thing, things, opportunities come. And when you've got to make a decision, you've got to go for the opportunity that's available. And this was available. I had balls of steel. I had no problem at all. I didn't have any qualms that I was going to get caught or anything was going to happen. And so this went on for a couple of months. Here I am, strapping up, flying back to the UK, and literally, I didn't get caught, obviously, right? But then I ended up doing a favor for somebody. And this was completely left field. Now, I'd been doing this for a couple of months, and, and I've just got a problem going on there on my screen. Sorry, I do apologize. Um, and so what happened was, somebody asked me to do a favor for them, drive a vehicle over to Morocco for them. Ceuta it was, from, the, from Spain, Spanish mainland over to, over to Ceuta. And I did this guy a favor, and I ended up getting caught for it. I did seven and a half months in a Spanish prison. I got 12 months, and I got seven and a half months there. Shit. And while I was in there, mate, it, that was, you know, literally there was parts of that, that, that sort of memory that is like watching a film. It literally was. It was. It was pretty nasty in there at times. Um, I had my head kicked in at one point. I mean, it was pretty standard, right? You know, you're British. You know, you're, there's very few of us. There's a lot more Spanish, Moroccans, international people, and there everybody's in there for for doing some sort of crime like that. Anyway, I got out, and I had and my girlfriend had left me, and I had two black bags full of all of my stuff. That was it. Two black bin liners with all my stuff in it. And I'm miles away from where we are. We're in a place called Cadiz, right? It was Porta Santa Maria, um, which was notoriously a pretty, pretty nasty pr- place to be. Got out and I thought, right, I've really got to do something here. I had no money at all, right? And I had to start from scratch. So I did. And I got, ended up run, running a bar again. And of course, running a bar, you get to know lots of different people. And they're you know, on the Costa del Crime, of course, so you're getting to know lots of gangsters, lots of people like that, and they're all coming into the bar and they're drinking and stuff like that. So I've got to know, know a few people. Now, I've ended up getting the opportunity to go over to Morocco, into the mountains, where the cannabis is grown, right, in a place called Chef Sharon. Now, this is entrepreneurial because what the price that we were paying for stuff originally, for the stuff that I was originally strapping up for before I got nicked, and I didn't get nicked for that, of course. But what, what I ended up doing is getting involved with these farms, and we were going over there, and we were bringing it back. And I won't go into the details of how we brought that back, but dare I say I had to swallow some of it, all right? Quite a lot of it, about three-quarters of a kilo. And I won't tell you the, de- the gory details of how that works, <laughs> but it isn't particularly pleasant, right? <laughs> now, this is risky, right? This is ballsy. And I often consider these things now when I worry about stuff. I sort of think, we had the balls to do that back in the back in the day. Why are you worrying about some of those simple things? You know, why sweat the small stuff now when you took those risks back mm. in those days, right? So anyway, I end up smuggling this smuggling this stuff. And this was this was 
top quality stuff, okay? 300 pound a, a kilo roughly. And we were realizing seven and a half grand back in the UK. And we're having to fly that back, smuggle it back. This went on for a little while. And of course, the quantities built up and then we started doing more. So the quantities build up, we start getting a bit of cash together and, and that goes on for a good year. And this is 1995. As I said, it came alive in 95, all right? And it did. Party time, five series BMW, bit of a gangster, um, you know, and I was, and I'd say I'm a bit of a gangster. I was a wannabe gangster. All right, Callum, I was a wannabe gangster. And what, and what, so, so what this, this was really good, right? And I'm, I'm still got balls of steel and we're, you know, and I'm, and I'm, and we're bringing it back to the UK. And on one trip, there I am driving back to the UK. We've got this van. Okay. And we've been at this for about a year. So we've amassed a bit of money. Okay. And we've got some stuff going on. And in the back of the van, we've got some camping gear and a load of cigarettes, right? Pretty standard back in the day. This is like 95, right? 96 we're going into now. And, 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 this is lo- and, and, and cigarettes were a bit great thing to bring back, right? They're mm. really cheap down in Spain and, and sort of bringing them back to the UK. So there's a bit of money, money in that as well. All this camping stuff in the back of the van, driving up through Spain, right, from the south, and it's beautiful, right? You've got all the seasons as you go up at certain times of the year, and it's like February. As you're driving up, you know, it's a beautiful sunny day down in, down in the south of Spain, drive up through the Zaragoza Desert. And as we get up to the north of Spain into the Pyrenees, there is a snowstorm, right? And as we get into the Pyrenees to go where normally we would drive through, and it's stunning. You've got valleys, you've got mountains, you've got, you know, sheer drops down the road, you've got waterfalls coming over the, over the actual road itself. It's stunning up there. Like the scenery is beautiful. This time, it's snow. It's, it is like part is snow, like literally for miles. It's white, and we can't get to the to the to the border that we would usually drive through. It's a beautiful scenic route. So we ended up pulling into the hotel. Now I've got a girlfriend with me at the time, and and uh, different girlfriend, right? It wasn't like I was loads of girlfriends. This is like a couple of years or so <laughs> on after the last the you last were, time. You right? were a wannabe gangster. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely was. Um, wannabe is definitely the word right we'll do that i wasn't a gangster i was a wannabe gangster uh mixing around with all these people but anyway so there i am in this in 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 we've had to book into a hotel um and woke up the next morning and uh, down having breakfast in this in this and it was actually really quiet right people hadn't gone up there because of this there'd been this big snow blizzard so it was quiet and the dining hall was quiet um and uh, it was me and my girlfriend we sat in there and we're chatting and literally there we are and I'm looking out the windows and I can see it clear as day in my, in my mind's eye right now. It's literally snow everywhere, mountains, beautiful scenery, but it stops snowing. And, um, and I'm like, you know, do we stay here for a couple of days or do we go through? And the normal border is, is shut. Uh, so I speak to the guy in the restaurant. He said, literally says the only border that's open is the main one, which is a few miles away. So there I am, and I'm considering, and my gut, gut instinct is sort of telling me something, and I'm, I'm sort of going, oh, I don't know, what do we do? What do we do? Because I had a bit of an appointment to get back for. <sighs> so I'm in the restaurant, do we go? Do we go? Don't, don't we do? We don't we do? We, do you know what? We're going to go through, and we're going to go through a main border. Now, on this main border, there's going to be customs on this border, right? So we drive sort of backwards and then back through the Pyrenees, through the border, in sort of midi Pyrenees, this is. A place called Oleron is the, where the French French part is. Okay, as you're driving up to the up to sort of the, where the border is, there's a customs guy there, right? And he waves us over. Of course, dry mouth comes. I'm still getting a little bit now as I think about it, and and the gut instinct and the feeling's not good, but he's too late now, right? Can't turn back. So they pulled us over, and as they pulled us over, 
uh, they've asked us to get out of the vehicle. They've opened up the back of the vehicle, and it's like an Astra. It's an Astra van, basically, which is the same as a you know, it's a, it's a sort of a, um, a Vauxhall van. There I am, mouth dry, panicking, thinking, "What are we going to do?" Got all these cigarettes in the back, right? You're not supposed to be bringing these cigarettes back, but we're going to be okay. You convince yourself you're going to be okay. My girlfriend's there as well. She's three months pregnant, by the way. They've opened up the back of the van. They start pulling all the stuff out, all the gear out the back of the van, everything, right? The cigarettes and everything. Ask us if there's anything to declare. No, nothing to declare. Okay. He doesn't really believe us, does he? So he pulled all the cigarettes and everything out. There's nothing there. They throw a dog in the, in the back. The back, dog goes into there. and doesn't really react. And dog comes back out again. Okay, cool. We're all good. Customer's officer goes around to the front of the vehicle, opens the door, has a look behind the seats. Something's not quite right. He doesn't look quite right. Call somebody over. He comes over with a crowbar. They get in the back of the van and they start leveraging the floor up in the back of the van. Now, I know what they're going to find. They find 110 kilos of cannabis resin this time. 110 kilos. What are we going to do? Even at this point, you're saying, I don't know anything about it. You can almost convince yourself because I got away with so much over time, you almost convince yourself you're going to be all right. Now you ask me, what about my entrepreneurial journey? This is a point in time where I should have listened to my gut instinct. So I mean, whoever's listening to this, you're watching this or whatever, trust your gut. Because there are snapshots in time, Callum, where I literally, it's literally like a picture. The point in time when my father told me he wouldn't give me that money, there was a gut instinct then. But it was all right. You know, the gut, the gut instinct was there. I felt okay. But I had to make an impulsive decision. It wasn't necessarily a gut instinct, but I felt okay. That morning, I hadn't felt okay. And I'd said, which is the bit I missed out when I was having breakfast with my girlfriend, if we go through this border, this is going to be my last breakfast in freedom. And those words rang around my head as I'm stood there on the right side of the road. Again, I've got a snapshot of that, that, that restaurant, and I've got a snapshot standing next to the vehicle while they're pulling all of these like, like packs out of the vehicle. Cut a long story short, I've got four years. I did two and a half years in France. My girlfriend did, got two years, although I took the rap, I took the blame. They didn't believe me. Not only did she do a year, but she was pregnant too. So my son, who's now 28, ended up doing six months, first six months of his life in there as well. It's like prisoners abroad, right? This is one of like a story like that. Wow. You weren't expecting this story. I I was not expecting this story one bit. Um, Firstly, like to say, like, I really appreciate you actually opening up on this podcast. Such a, such a powerful story. And, how you've embedded it with that value already. Like I really connected with you when you started speaking about uh, trusting your gut feeling because I'll flip back to a time where I made a decision to make an investment and I had a gut feeling telling me not to do it and I did it anyway and it so backfired. And from that point, from that moment, like that, that negative experience has actually turned into a positive experience for me now because I always trust my gut on every single decision that I make. So that was some powerful, powerful value straight away. And that story was, was, well, it was, it was mental to listen to, but I'm going to flip it back to, I'm going to flip it back to when you were in prison. Well, you did four years um, at one time, but then you also did seven months of time before. Yeah. Well, I did two and a half years in France. Two, yeah, two and, and a half, half years. Before, yeah. And then you've done seven months, yeah. the original time. 
obviously yeah. very very negative situation but let me ask you ellie uh, elliot ellie that's my girlfriend yeah. <laughs> let, let me <laughs> ask me ellie. you elliot um what what what's been like your what's been your biggest lesson that you that that you've learned from actually going to prison the biggest lesson was that I, I learned a lot about myself I, I learned a huge amount about myself I mean obviously you know you spend quite a lot of time with yourself you're, you're surrounded with other people as well it's not like there was no no other English around there wasn't it yeah, for six months there was no English at all so I learned French that was one big lesson I learned French very quickly because there was no other English in one one in my the beginning of the French sentence um what the, the, I think the biggest thing is is that you know it's about trusting yourself but it's about making decisions that um uh, you know that are going to impact you forevermore. And that, that's the, one of the biggest things is, you know, I can't turn time back on those. I can only learn from those things. Um, but the gut instinct was the biggest thing. Hey, listen, I've still gone against it. I've still gone against it since exactly the same as you. I also had an investment in 2017 and my gut instinct. And in, in, in fact, that my fiance at the time actually told me something as well. And I went against my gut instinct because she said, were you sure about this? And I was like, fought against mm. it. I was like nearly going to pull out of it. And I didn't. But again, that was like a reminder years and years and years later. And I trusted my gut for years. And I, then I sort of almost forgot about it. I can, that whole back part, that sort of story, that film that I was looking back at was like a film. It was like, a, it was a different life. And I'd forgotten about that, to forgotten to trust my gut, forgotten to believe in myself and, and just driving forward with things and, and went and took another opportunity. This is 20, like 20 years later, basically. So the biggest thing that I took from it now, if I look back, is that gut instinct. It's something I talk about a lot, which is why that story is so vitally important. And there's lots of lessons in that. Impulsiveness, you know, uh, you know risk-taking. Um, you know, and, and, and not, and not trusting yourself and not believing in yourself, which I should done, should have done that morning. Of course, now I realize there's a lot of that with the ADHD brain mm. that makes, not makes you do things, but those are the, some of the, the sort of effects that you, we have on ourselves, which makes us make those decisions. And so listen. It wasn't necessarily legal, although what a great story when I eventually come out with a CBD range or a Delta 8 or Delta 9 when it becomes legal in the UK to go, well, my backstory was this and now I can legally do it. So that's a little plan I've got for the future, of course. <laughs> but, but, but yeah, so, so, so there's, you know, there's so many lessons I've learned, Callum. I've done so many different things. I've not stayed in one thing for, for very long. I, I've done well in it and then want to move on to the mm. next um, as soon as you achieve um, something, similar. it's like, right, the next, the next step, what's the next bit? You know, okay, I've done that now. I've learned that and move on to the next bit. So, you know, um, I think very much it was about learning about myself because when I came out of there, I said, listen, I'm a really shit career criminal. Uh, this is about time to put these skills where everybody says you've got the gift of the gab, um, and that risk taking and all of those things to put it to good use for, for actually learning business and doing something that was going to teach me the right way to do things. And so the next 20, 30 years have been, in essence, teaching me to, to do things, how not to do it by some people, and how not to do it in other ways, but also in the learning of how not to do it, you learn how to do it along the way as well. So, so, so powerful. And you mentioned something a minute ago that the fact you've had reminders about the gut feeling and, and I have as oh. well, but I've also, I don't know about you, but in the personal development world as well, you know, when you go to events and you hear something and you know it and you're like, ah, I've been reminded this about four times now. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's time to implement it. And that's a big takeaway for you guys listening to this right now. Like if you've, if you've read a book once, read it twice. 
If you read a book twice, read it three times or listen to that book as an audio book. Or even if you go to the same event multiple times, you're always going to be learning different because when you read that book, when you read that book the first time to now, you're a different person. So you're going to take, you're going to take new learnings. And it's like what you said, Elliot, like you sometimes just need a reminder. So obviously that was like rewinding back to the start of your entrepreneurial journey. Let's fast forward now to obviously you're a successful ADHD uh, business coach. Tell tell the listeners more um, about what it is you you do and, and who you're impacting. Yeah, I mean, I've consulted for years and, 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 you know, built 20 million pound businesses in the video games industry. I don't play video games. I had a golf market stall years ago and I don't play golf. But one, one thing I do know, though, is when, when, when you know there's demand for a product or, or a service, it, you, all you've got to do is find the right types of clients. So consulting and, and, and uh, running businesses, building businesses, I've built properties and stuff as well. I've taught myself a real varied and rich sort of view about different types of businesses, how the structure works from ground up, you know, all the way up. So when it comes to consulting and working with people, which I've done over the last sort of 10 years or so in the video games industry, and then the last four years, more specifically working, uh, consulting with smaller businesses uh, rather than sort of running them, which I did in the video games business a, a lot more, um, when I said, you sort of asked, you know, about, about how the ADHD works. The reason I'm saying that is because the clients I've had over the last four years, I look back now and they are very, very, very similar ADHD entrepreneurial brain types of people. They're very creative. They're really bad at structure, uh, prioritization, uh, actioning things, but they're great at creativity. So they need to have the right people around them. Now, when you've got a sort of a brain type like this, you need somebody to bounce things off because otherwise we think about too many problems. We're trying to come up with too many solutions to problems we haven't got that we don't even know what the problems are yet. And we're doing it all in our own brain. So it works really well to have somebody that not only understands ADHD, but also understands business on in all sorts of ways from the ground up, not from textbook, right? I don't learn from textbooks. I don't really learn. I might learn when I go to EMC, meeting you and learning from stage, but I'm not one that that can go and read something and learn. It's not, oh, I'm a practical learner. And I've done that in business at every level of, of dealing with all sorts of different people. So in the last 12 to 24 months is when it became apparent I had ADHD. Before that, I didn't even realize. And of course, I look back at all these things in life now, and I see it in my 13-year-old, things that he did when I was at school. So now I'm helping him to learn in a different way because I know his brain type is slightly different. It's a good thing. It's an ability, right? They call it ADHD, attention deficit hyper disorder. I think it's attention deficit hyper ability. It would be better because there isn't a massive ability there. And once we know that it's not just us and we're not just weird and people have said, oh, you need to just work harder or you're lazy or blah, 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 that actually... If we understand the way our brain works, we can either start to trick it a little bit or try to do things and put things in place so that we can work effectively and in our power and in the things that we enjoy and get excited about because it releases the dopamine, right? So that's why I now work work specifically coaching ADHD business owners. And so I have a structure for that. And it's about mind mapping things out because we need to get out of our head onto somewhere we can see it. If we can't see it, it's really difficult for us to be able to action things. Mm. We can talk about things at the time because we can picture it, but it's a little bit like a dream. You walk away and that dream starts disappearing, doesn't it? So it's disappearing. And so we hear things on stages and we get all excited, but we need to action stuff. 
So mind mapping is a great way of putting the structure, putting it, putting out things on paper, and you prioritize by starting in the middle, spidering out subtopics, and then off the subtopics, the tasks that need to be done for each of the elements of the business. So I've created, in essence, a, a system which I call uh, the Active Clarity Entrepreneurial Success System because it's about having active clarity, that's the way I see it, for ADHD brainers. But once you see it, you then create those subtopics, and those subtopics then create actionable tasks. It's a three-step thing. There's just actionable tasks. Then you need to go into the calendar and time block things out. So that, in essence, without going into too much detail, is how I work with somebody that's overwhelmed, a little confused, and not sure what they need to focus on. And you need to understand people's strengths as well as an ADHD brainer. Because the strengths are the things that we get excited about, the releases of dopamine, and that we feel rewarded when we do things. So it makes it easier to action and move things forward. So, um, so yeah, that's uh, that's that's in essence in short. Yeah, that that's powerful. And in terms of my mapping, like I I, I find my mapping's like is so effective to yeah get it out on paper, get your creative side um, going. But it's like what you mentioned: people with ADHD are very tend to be very creative. So using things like very. mind maps, if you're someone listening to this and you've been diagnosed with ADHD or you believe you've got some ADHD tra- traits, then test out using mind maps and getting more creative mm. um, because then, like you said, you're getting your ideas to paper. But yeah. in terms of as well, so if someone is listening to this and they think they've got ADHD or they've been labeled ADHD, like what's like one massive piece of advice that you've given to a lot of your business coach, uh, like business entrepreneurs that have ADHD? Like what's one piece of advice yep. you're able to, to give the listeners? Structure. It's the one thing that I have seen as being a huge weakness. And trust me, I've experienced it. You know, this hasn't all come about like I've just suddenly created this sort of system or, or the process. It's because I've been through this from scratch and I've, I've understood where my weaknesses are as well. And I had a coach four years ago that said, Elliot, you've got all this knowledge, you've got all this skill set, which a lot of ADHDers have because we absorb that stuff so we can do a lot of things. If you had to do just one task, we can probably do it hyper-focused and get that done quicker and probably better than a lot of people. But when you've got all these things to do and you've got no structure at all, then how the hell do you work? And so structure is the biggest thing. You have to find a way of creating structure in your life. Now, this will go across the board for ADHD people that aren't necessarily entrepreneurial. But trust me, you're 300 300 times more likely to set up a business if you've got ADHD. And another stat. I feel like you might have diagnosed me with it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, listen, entrepreneurs, 60% of self-made millionaires, billionaires, some of the most successful people on the planet, this is, a, this is a, a sentence I say quite a lot, are ADHD. I love it. 60%. Uh, that's powerful. So six out of 10. So if you're listening to this and you've been diagnosed with ADHD and uh, in, the, you know, in the school systems, I'm, I'm, so against, I'm so against a lot. There's some amazing things with school system, but there's also some really bad things. And I believe that... In society, ADHD has been labeled as this negative trait, but 60% of self-made millionaires have ADHD or some some type of uh, ADHD. That's amazing. So Richard Richard Branson, Elon Musk. Wow. All the the people you know of that you can think of the top of the tree, 
they are, they either either have traits or they or they've been diagnosed. So if you got if you, you listen to this and you have got ADHD right now, come on, come on, let's have it. Yes, yeah, celebrate it. Let's 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 celebrate uh, it. Set a business up. Yeah, I uh, absolutely loved it. Honestly, this podcast it's been, it's gone a lot different to what, to what I anticipated, but good. I, I I absolutely absolutely love it. So I mean, Elliot, like what's like what's your vision? What's what's your purpose now? I mean, honestly, the purpose is, I mean, there's been, there's been uh, quite a lot now in, uh, and over the last couple of years because of obviously, and I don't even like this word, but we'll call it the pandemic, right? But because of all of that that was going on, there's been a, you know, an 80% increase, I believe, in sort of people wanting to be diagnosed or, you know, becoming now aware of this. And I think that's because a lot of people had too much time to think. Um, and a lot of people set businesses up in that time as well. So it's become quite apparent. Um, and, you know, it's now being diagnosed in kids a lot more. More, um, it's and you know, and I think I think the whole stigma around it is changing. Um, but I really want to create um, awareness in business, and like we're talking about today, right? That's why I want to talk about our backstory, right? It's it's, intra- it's important to talk about the variations of things that we do through our lives, and we wonder why we can't stick to something. You are absorbing so much information that you can put used to as long as you find your strength, right? And you understand where your non-strengths are, because the non-strengths you need to give to somebody the things you delegate. don't do won't do and can't do delegate it outsource it whatever you need to do with it so it's about creating awareness and then working with ADHD business owners because I know with the right help and support advice um, you know something to bounce off that sort of mentoring consulting coaching all of that stuff because I've done it all and you can combine that to actually help somebody I believe we can actually help to save a lot of the businesses that fail because just as much as the ADHD brain entrepreneur brainers will start a business, there's obviously a lot of challenges that we have that will be the procrastination, the self-doubt, the dark days where we don't want to do anything and we feel lazy and then we beat ourselves up about it. That's as much can help to fail the business as we can start them. So if we can get over that and support we, that we, we could potentially help to support quite a percentage of that economy that gets that struggles because of the failure of so many businesses and we know those stats already right mm. i want I, I want to help you in in any possible way um, that I can me too I, I can see there being a, a partnership um, with us Elliot as well but where yeah. where can like our my freedom lifestyle listeners where where can they find you Elliot Okay, so you can find me Elliot C Brown on uh, on LinkedIn, uh, Instagram, um, Facebook as well, um, and um, yeah. So you could, but if you put Elliot C Brown and then ADHD business coach, you you will find me. Um, so you'll find it on on, on the social media platforms. Um, I've also got, if anybody um, is an entrepreneur and an ADHD brainer, I've also got a, a a free guide as well. It's a seventeen page guide I've created. It's not a book. It's, it's, it's designed by me for an ADHD brain. It chunks it down. It breaks it down. It makes you look at what you have done in the business, what you could do, and the things that you need to think about and focus on. Helps you to focus and get yourself organized as well. So there's something I've got there uh, if anybody wants it. And I can obviously give, give you the link. That's for that. amazing. I'll put the link for the free guide um, in the description as well for you guys to benefit from. And I'll also put your Instagram in there as well. But I am so, so grateful for this podcast. Going to have to get you booked on again. But I have got one final question for you, Elliot. Yeah. Anything. before we wrap this one up and uh, yeah. obviously the podcast is called freedom lifestyle I'm, I'm on a mission so i've got a question for you like what does freedom lifestyle look like to you 
a freedom lifestyle. Do you know what? It free free of the stress that comes with a lot of the, a lot of life that we have. If we can relieve re- that stress and live a happier life, um, and and you know, and fulfill what we want to do, and understanding our why. That I think if you do that and you can live in your purpose, which isn't easy, so I'm 48 years old, so it's taken me a few years to get to this. But if you can, then I believe there's a, there's definitely a freedom of life in you there. Powerful, powerful. I've absolutely loved this podcast. I'm sure you guys oh, have as well. Amazing, it's Callum. been Thank amazing. You very much. Honestly, guys, if you're listening to this, go give Elliot a follow. And other than that, have a fucking class day. Thank you for listening to the Freedom Lifestyle podcast. Myself and Jacob, we have something very, very special for you. If you're an entrepreneurial lad that wants to escape the rat race without doing it alone, without feeling overwhelmed and without burning out, then come and join the Freedom Lifestyle University. Join a community full of young entrepreneurs, all escaping the rat race in all different industries. You're also going to get live weekly calls from myself and Jacob. We've invested over £60,000 into our business education and we're sharing that with you for less than a few pints a week. You're also going to have guest speakers who are six, seven and even eight figures and you're going to have daily and weekly challenges to get you to take action now to help you create your freedom lifestyle with the help of accountability. We can't wait to welcome you to the family. If you scroll down now, click the link to the Freedom Lifestyle membership. It's a cancel any any time, bit like Netflix. However, we're confident you're going to stay. We can't wait to see you in there.